Hello, welcome back to the Pilgrims podcast. My name's Tom Kirk and joining me for part two of this post-Bristol City Norwich preview medley is Alex Hind, Chris Allen and Mark Lovell. Hi uh, Alex, I'm going to come to you first uh, as you went with us in part one. Um, it's 24 hours-ish on from the final whistle at Ashton Gate. Um, what, what are your thoughts well, firstly, what were your thoughts at the start and how have they changed in the last 24 hours, buddy? I think, I think like everybody at the start, I was really disappointed with the, the, the show we, we put in, the effort that, was, that went in, the, the fundamental basic errors that, that were out there on display for us all to see, how disappointing it was for those fans that showed up looking for. Um, it's not a local derby, but it's the most local game we have, so we'll call it that even though it's not really. Um, that's kind of waned a bit. And actually, it's really quite simple in that I think you can't really take too much from that because it was such a change side. There really is, and it's what everyone was talking about, it's what everybody's been talking about is, you know, you can't change that many players for a league game in this division. You've got to show the division more respect. You've got to show the opposition more respect. And I just think that we can't really take too much away from it more than that because we're not going to see the majority of those players, certainly at the weekend, possibly not for a while. Mm. Here's, here's how I thought on it. I saw we, we did the first part last night before Shuey's um, press conference or, or Mark had a feed to it mid-record. Mid um so we defended the changes of sort of Joe Edwards, Dan Scar, um, and Adam Randall. And I was carried away by the headline of seven changes because, you know, I didn't expect it. But on reflection, he was right, wasn't he? I don't think those changes were um, particularly noteworthy. I think if he just made those three, you'd have just accepted, oh, okay, those guys missed out from Preston, but they've started a lot of games for Plymouth Argyle. Um the, the main ones with the Fab Four, really, when it you know the, to to drop out the four aces all in one go, some twenty four hours on, I still haven't heard a good reason for that. Any any ideas, um, Chris Allen? What might have been behind the thinking? Any? There's a there's a weird kind of double think in it, in my opinion. I I get the logic of three were changes we would have made anyway, but that doesn't mean there wasn't seven. Does that make any sense? Like, if you have 11 of something and you take seven away, right, you've only still got four people from the original. And the other bit to me is a bit, I can see where he's coming from. I still stand by, repeating what you guys said yesterday, I think the simple logic was we look great against Palace, play that team and then learn from last week, keep it tight and go and win it. On that level, we'll, we'll never know whether it was going to work because we conceded two goals in nine minutes of which six, someone was checking the technology. Like fundamentally we scored, that we, we gave them a two goal head start. So that's where I've got some sympathy and where the anger came out is on a personal level, it's like I've given you guys a chance it worked before. Our theme, 
from last week was don't concede early. We conceded twice. So I could, that's where I can understand the vitriol. We will never know whether the experiment worked because we were 2 nil down before we'd even started. I think I said last night is, um, you know, everybody looks at Warrington Wright and, and, and Wayne, don't they, who were the who were the real benefactors of that change. Nobody, nobody would have put a bet on them starting, but I, I'm not sure how responsible they are for us being 2-0 down. I don't know what that changes. Obviously, then we're under pressure because you want the, the creators on the pitch almost immediately. Game plan out the window. Uh, do you know what would have, I, I thought to myself is, and, and Mark and I were at that Palace game. It did go well. There was a lot of good things about it. There was a horror a couple of minutes in that as well, which is becoming a bit of a theme, but largely great. And I, I think if you'd had a camera in the dressing room at the end and Shuey was perhaps going around and goes, guys, you did really well. And you've got players like Wayne and Wright probably gutted. They've lost because they're out the cup and that means not going to be minutes. And he looks them all in the eyes and goes, I'm really impressed with you. You're going to get your chance. You, I, I think if we, if that, if we knew that was going on and we've gone, yeah, go on. I like, I like that, Stephen. I like that mentality. Yeah. You know, tell them, they build them up, make them feel big make them feel they're worthy of a place and they'll get a chance. And, you know, so keep training, keep doing your drills or whatever, and you get your chance. Obviously, look, that, they're pretty hollow words if they, um, if that never comes into fruition. And then you've got to ask yourself, when do they get in the side? But I don't know. I kind of thought he might have gone something like, like Tyreek, you're going to play against... I mean, if he put right in instead of Whitaker for whatever, you know, just change one up, I don't think we're... I don't think we're pointing fingers at the managers because he made such a big call that nobody saw and, and, and everybody looked at it and thought, this has got to work, isn't it? This is the only goes, way that you justify these changes is that it yields results. And It goes back to something that remind, reminds me of something that happened at the um, the fans forum that probably got lost a little bit because everyone was so obsessed with hats and booking fees. <laughs> but one of my, I thought one of the most revealing answers that Neil Dewsnip said was a question about reserve team football. And he was pretty adamant that he felt that it wasn't necessarily a benefit. Under-23s football doesn't prepare people for playing in the championship. Um, It requires a lot of resources that perhaps might not yield the best outcomes. So then what is? Putting people out on loan, possibly. What we've got, though, now is we've got a group of players who aren't really good enough to be kind of in the first team regularly. They're not getting reserve team football. They're not out on loan. And then they come into the team for a game like Bristol City. And it it looks very, very apparent that they, A, haven't really played much together in competitive matches. And B, just haven't really had enough minutes to be settled and build up their confidence on the pitch. So I'm not going to, it's a bit of a simple link to make, but it did just make me think back to that comment from Neil Jusnip and perhaps it adds a little bit of weight to the argument that maybe we do need something. Not sure. It's a, it's a really good point. It's a, like a very, very good point. To, to expand on that, no one will ever also know whether it was, if we're going to do this, we need to do it away from home because we're going to stay up this season on our home form. Like no one's going to come out and say it was worth rolling the dice because we were probably going to lose anyway. And actually, I want the full complement ready for Saturday. But I do think there's a little bit of that in there. That's That was my instant reaction. Like, we're, we're resting our best players because we want them fresh for the more winnable games, which, forget the opposition, by definition, are at home. Um, which, Alex, I think is, if you're going to do it, throw them all in and see how they get on. And you know what? If it works, it does. 
If it doesn't, we lose 4-5-1, which we did a few times last year. So if you look at it, and that, that also came out in the fans' forum, and we've heard it a lot, which is we're not going to criticise our manager for experimenting. He has permission to fail. How does that go if you have lost five out of six? Is a different environment to you've got you know you've got permission to fail with a sixty odd percent win record. So I think there's a dynamic in the background there which is is getting interesting too. It's how you lose as well, isn't it? It's I think everybody has been quite sort of you know willing to give the team time, understanding we're in a difficult division. We've been playing some good sides. And yeah, you know, it would have been nice if we could have not let that goal in against Birmingham and we could have not let the goal in at home to Southampton. But I think everybody's been very understanding. I think the difference last night was that um, it was the manner in which we lost that, that really upset people. Because as Shuey said in his post-match comments, they won from the first tackle. They were winning, winning everything. And it doesn't matter what division you're in, whoever you're up against. Those are things that everybody, every professional team should be able to to show on the pitch. So it's, it's certainly the manner that it happened, I think, as well. But it certainly poses some interesting questions for the weekend, I think. And just on that, I think there's a, there's a confusing kind of cause and effect there, right? So potentially, which is it's not surprising that everyone's a bit off the pace if they're less clear on what their job is, if they've not played together before, if whatever, 65% of the team is is different. Maybe that's the cause, not, well, they weren't trying. Maybe it was, and I sense that, you know, I've talked a lot about how the kind of culture of the, the club, the culture of the team, it's all about togetherness, but you could see, even from a distance last night, there was some, from the first throw-ins, right? In the 20th second, picking the ball up, where am I throwing it? It was just, it was a very, very new team. And I think it would be hard to say, you weren't fighting for it. If I was in a closed room, I'd say, well, yeah, well, what was I supposed to be doing? My first go at this. I, I hear you about the experimentation. I thought that was way too heavy for what's a, what was a league game. It came across disrespectful. I'm sure uh, Shui would say here, it's not, and I can do what I want, and I and I get that. But it, it, looked, it didn't look great, and it got punished for what it looked like um, for my money. Anyway, look, the... Um, we're not really saying anything, guys, that's not being said by 99% of the fan base. So let's say, can, yes. I'll, I'll say something that hasn't been said by 99% of the fan base. Go on then. Right, imagine you've got me, and then you've got Erling Haaland, right? That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a pop duo no whose album I'd buy, for sure. No one said that yet. Imagine <laughs> you give us both the ball on the halfway line, with a clear run at goal, right? Yeah? One of us scores 99 out of 100. The other one falls over 99 times out of 100, right? In other words, the capability of the person who gets the opportunity is really important in football. And in, and that's what I think we're seeing. I keep looking at the last night, like, how did that happen? It's like, well, the opposition are just very good. You make a, You make a pass... Invariably, they make the right pass and the person scores. That is what we're up against. We're not up against Erling Haaland, but we used to play against people who are a lot more like me. It's extreme punishment of errors is, is the environment we're in. That is the major difference. Consistency is, is just... the difference between elite players. You know, there's nothing that Erling Haaland can do that a League Two player can't do. You know, you see them warming up. You see the stuff they do. The mm. difference 
is how often can you do it in a game and how consistently can you do it in a game? And these teams, they can do it much more often than the, the teams in League One could. And I think that's the reality, right? That's the big thing we're up against this season is forget the leagues for a minute as well, right? Forget that there's an artificial division of 92 clubs. Last year, and I know it's because we played well, most games were against someone inferior to us. This season, and Bristol City is a good example. Oh, you know, they're a stable mid-championship club. Are they any good? Well, yes. Like, they have historically, and last season, were much better than we were because they were playing at a higher level. Like, I think there's also a perception of... People tend to forget that. You know, we've come up and we're great. Well, mid-table in this division is a long way away from the top of League One, and we're seeing that, right? We're seeing... There's no... There's no Harlands, but there's a lot of people that will put away a chance if it's given to them. It's going to keep coming. It's going to happen on Saturday. Just to bring that, um, I'm just noticing the clock, by the way. Um, uh, we're, we'd, already, we've, we'd conceded two goals in this time last night, including the stoppages. This is how fast life comes out here in the Championship. Chris, just to um, bring that absolute boomerang of analogy of you and Erling Haaland, that went miles away and actually came back somewhat on point <laughs> into perspective. Um, it, we lost a game. We didn't play very well. We're not that... And, you know, there's an unusual amount of query on the manager's decisions, which is slightly new, but the heavy defeat out of nowhere is not something new to Plymouth Argyle fans under Stephen Schumacher. Yeah, we have 98% of the time good football we've had winning football okay this season not many wins but it's been good football other than this one you know pardon the phrase hot turd of a of a display um <laughs> pardon the phrase hot turd <laughs> are we all are we all getting carried away are we getting carried away about this is yes. this is this is this is it i'm just conscious of we've just got promoted out of the division and you know I want to move on from it because it's last season, but, you know, our promotion last season was exceptional. It was unexpected. It was well against the odds. I don't want to be a passenger or be grateful to be here. I don't want to have that imposter syndrome in the championship. But let's chill out a bit. We've come up with a promoted team. And what's what we've worked out is, oh, actually, some of the teams are better than us and are going to be unforgiving of us on a bad day. Other than looking... Other than looking... In terms of what are we going to do at the weekend, my sort of final thought on it would probably be the reason why it's caused such a stir isn't because we got walloped. We, we kind of did that last season. We got used to it. A few times it happened and we realised that's just kind of how we do things. I think the, the reason why this one really stands out is because it's the first time really everybody's kind of really questioned Shuey and said, what are you doing? You know, what's going on here? Everything else in Shuey we trust, you know, he can do no wrong. And to my mind, still, that is the case. I think the thing that rattled the fan base a bit yesterday was just raised eyebrows looking at him thinking, you're probably the only person in the whole of football and associated with Plymouth Argyle who, who might have done that. And like Chris said, it's kind of still not really, I don't know if it was you, Tom, had an answer as to, as to why that happened, especially with the front guys. So I think that's why it perhaps has caused the stir it has. And just to say... If I'm him from a personal perspective, I know I'm putting everything on the line. This is going to look mental, but I'm going to keep the faith because I know what I'm doing. 
and we concede twice from stupid goals. Like that, I think that's where the anger comes from. Like I experimented and you ruined the experiment. You didn't give it the chance because on another day, we had pockets where we looked decent. We scored. We missed a sitter. Like football's a funny game. Like he, he could have come out of it smelling of roses. There is a, there is another parallel universe somewhere, is it, where those two goals don't go in and we fluke a goal where Tyreek Wright passes it to Ben Wayne and he turns around and goes, see, told you so, and now we've got two players who've everybody written off who actually prove that they can do something at this level. Um, exactly. And Alex, that, that, I think that's your point. Last, last year, a lot of us, you know, we got used to thinking that. Like, oh, what's he doing this week? I remember, was it Wickham where we went into that one? It was like we basically played our tallest players. And it could have failed, but it didn't. It worked really well. And it was a I remember him being so satisfied with I mixed it up, people were critical, why are we doing that? We scraped the win. Like he's got a very good track record of experimenting and winning. So yeah, unusual. Another day I would like some thought as to what the thinking was. I thought, you know, he was clearly disappointed on some of the individual contributions, as was I, and that was where he went with his post match comments. Um I don't. I don't mind. I genuinely w- wouldn't have minded if he come out and said, "Tried this, didn't work. Um, we'll keep working hard." And sorry to the travelling fans tonight. Yeah, it was a Carl Fletcher performance, wasn't it? Like it really was. Back in the darkest days when we had an average team, and it when you were watching it, you're like, "I'm. I can't see the plan. The players don't look up to it." We used to have seasons of that. We used to have seasons of that type of performance. We're spoiled. Yeah, and I think we did. We lose five nil when we last played there in the league, and Derek was in charge. So look, um, we we we're just we're human beings. Although we're Plymouth Argyle fans, we're human beings. We're spoiled little brats. We've won a lot of games. We don't like losing, and we're not used to it. And we react, and we get the ump, and we try and blame somebody. And um, you know, should we make some? questionable calls with the lineup it didn't work um so he put himself in the firing line um but i'm i'm getting over it we've still got a wonderful football club that's in a division well ahead of schedule um against the odds um i'm really pleased to be here and we'll get over it and we if we win the game at the weekend which we're going to talk about in a second um it'll be long forgotten and three points goes a long way in this division and we'll stop thinking about relegation and maybe being mid-table or even higher again um we'll take a quick Pause here, and then we'll talk about Norwich City at the weekend. So, uh, Saturday, we play Norwich City at home, the Canaries. Alex, what do we know uh, as passive observers of Norwich as Plymouth Argyle fans as uh, rivals this season? What, what do we know about them? They have had a great start to the season, that's for sure. If you look at the league table, definitely. They've, got, they've done really well. They've just finished... Um, a very difficult game against an outstanding Leicester City team. Um, and they've lost 2-0, but I think they were certainly in the game from what I could follow. Um, you said you managed to watch some and, and, and they look very good. So they've had a great start to the season, but every team in this division is capable of beating every team in this division, apart from maybe Sheffield Wednesday, but, you know, ho-hum. Um, <laughs> looking at the teams they've played, though, you know, who've they beat? Who've they played? They've played Millwall. They've played Huddersfield. They've played QPR. They've played Stoke, who I think are on level on points with us, maybe. They've played Bristol City, who at the time couldn't buy a goal. And then they've played Rotherham, who they lost to 
played very well against them. That's so, interesting, isn't it? That's interesting, rather than defeat. They also went and got for a four-all draw at Southampton, which is a game they should have won because uh, the the equaliser for Southampton was from a penalty, which was a horrific dive. Um, at the time, that looked like a great result, having lost to Southampton ourselves. Although they've tailed off now, haven't they? So, um, but well, what's the what's <laughs> they're in the they're near the top end of the table. They've clearly um, had a good off-season because I'm not sure their manager's stock was that high at the back end of last season. I think they may have finished like 13th or last year. So he seemed to be under a bit of pressure, but you wouldn't think it for the start of the season that they've had. Um, against against teams that are all down the bottom, though. You know, I think that... Ha- that they Some of them, they've beaten them well. I think they got a good score. They ran a good score up against Huddersfield, but they're not up at the top of the table having beaten other teams that are up there. They've just played Leicester and lost 2-0. So they're not perhaps the team that the league position suggests. I'm not for a second saying they're not going to be incredibly difficult. They are. Every team in this division is incredibly difficult. They will be one of the better sides, I think, possibly. But they're not perhaps the team that that they might be if you just have a quick glance at the table. Chris, they've just lost a game, okay, against an incredibly good, um, remarkably impressive, terrifying, arguably, Leicester side. Um, but they've lost. So that's advantageous to us in the sense that's not going to help them, is it? No matter how well they've played, they're not their stock's not going to be higher on the back end of a defeat. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with a 2-0 defeat against Leicester. <laughs> like it, they, they, it, 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 they are steal someone else's phrase offline they are they are a premier league side that is, exists in in the championship i think who would who would you rather play next weekend leicester or luton would i have to go to luton to watch it that's the question <laughs> domino's, domino's pizza stand um it we need to find a way we plymouth argyle need to find a way to remember that our home environment is completely unique we're a long way from anywhere. We're a very long way from Norwich. Um, if anyone's ever done it, it's further than you think. Um, and the, some kind of way to instill, forget Tuesday, remember we are at home. Bizarrely, remember that even if we concede, we are at home. I think it's more of an exercise in confidence building that he has to do this week, which is... To your point, Alex, they've only beaten some other people that are around us. Anyone can beat anyone in this division. Never forget that in the history of our club, our ge- geography is a huge asset. And I think that, that will come to play. The um, So what is it? Is it? It's 22 wins in 26 games at home, isn't it, in the league? Um, let's talk about those home games. Beat Huddersfield, done. Beat Blackburn, some good fortune in there, but it was 3-0. Um, job done. We, um, the team that played shite last night looked very good at home to Crystal Palace, um, for the majority of the game. Um, and the Southampton game, I still haven't really got my head around because look at where Southampton are now. We just seem to tail off at the end there. I'm not entirely sure how we lost control that second half, but at the start, we looked good, didn't we? We looked like we had the upper hand of the advantage, the home advantage, um, Okay, we didn't get the result that we wanted, but it was certainly a positive performance on the whole. Um, Our home form is beyond exceptional, isn't it? And this is me trying to put, again, some perspective on Bristol City, is that 
for a team that got so many points, we're probably the worst performing away team to have scored 100 points in a championship campaign, aren't we? Because our home form is alien in how good it is. I used to follow. I used to follow. I don't know if it still exists. A Twitter account was, that was called "Have Our Goal Won Away on a Tuesday." <laughs> like no joke, and it was like no, nine hundred and twelve days or something. You know, it was. This is not a new thing. Midweek away games, from a geography perspective, are always really hard. Um, why Tuesday nights under the lights at home park have great memories because that's the true in reverse for the opposition, whoever they are. It's a unusual time to play football in a difficult environment so i yeah i i think geography is is more than huge and also going back to the bristol thing it's like you know get some data i know you love a bit of data our performance is always inversely inversely proportional to the size of the away end the bigger the away end you know you you get forty thousand in an away end at a pizza final because that wasn't a home game. You oh, see. see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, you know, and there's, I think there's a little bit of truth in that as well. You know, I, I've joked for years with friends, we're on Sky, that's it. No stage fright. Watching. Mm. Like, mm. That stage fright is a real thing. Um, but the opposite is true as well. No one wants to come to our ground well let, let's talk really about, let's talk about, about that. that a bit because i'd love to see some real science on why home advantage is a thing there's plenty there's 150 years of football data that suggests you're better at home what is it is it your is it your fans is it the pitch is it the familiarity is it the lack of travel um, i'm sure someone has something more factual on that but we're obviously very good at home and i think contributory at least in part to that is the good feel is our fans and the good feel around the club. I actually think that sometimes our fans, apologies to anybody who feels they might be part of this, have, a, have had a history in the past of being part of the problem, compounding issues. Probably, I'm going pre, I'm going the pre-Hallett era. I would say it's not been the case since then. But um, I've been in Home Park many times where it's edgy. It happened a bit last year because we started so well and people were more fearful of losing our good work through the season rather than, you know, the the, the, the buzz that you get when you're chasing a lead. I remember that season where we need, nearly made the playoffs under Derek. The crowd was electric because we weren't quite expecting everything. It was, it was very supportive. As where there is occasionally an apprehension that sneaks in through those two empty corners into home park. So what do we think? Do we think that Tuesday night is going to sit subconsciously in the minds of the crowd? Or do you back um, the home park faithful to, to get all that, get behind the team and um, and be the 12th man? I, I expect to see, well, we will see. I'm confident enough to say we will see those players we expected to see starting at Bristol City back on the pitch, starting against Norwich City. And I think people get annoyed with managers when they are stubborn and they stick to a system that doesn't seem to be working or they stick with players that the fans don't like and then they start to get on people's back. Shui will change it. I think the fans will see that. They'll see that as um, a plan, as an idea. I think, again, because we keep saying about his, his credit he's got in the bank and also uh, being proactive, one really bad, disappointing day 
won't be enough given all of the kind of good feeling that's built up at home park to to change that on Saturday. And I think also the fans are realistic enough. The fans know how difficult this division is. If we if we were playing at home to Cheltenham on Saturday and we put in a similar performance to Tuesday, yes, people would start to get on the players' back, I think, because we would be expecting to win and turn up and and, and get three points. If Norwich come to home park and they're really bloody good, I don't think people are going to be too upset if we're just playing a really, really good team. So expectations change. I think the fans are realistic enough to know this is a really, really good division. We do get a bit carried away. We've had smoke blown up our ass by podcasters, by uh, championship commentators and pundits who I think also liked to kind of have their little angle on Plymouth Argyle as the ones to watch. And we've kind of heard that from a lot of different places and we've all really enjoyed it and we've all started to believe it a bit. And, you know, on the other hand, there's the reality of we've got the lowest wage budget, so I've heard, and we're playing outstanding teams. So I think I think the fans will understand. And it's something you said, Alex, or Tom, or both. <laughs> Anyone can beat anybody. There is a, a very equally probable world where we make slightly fewer mistakes, it clicks, and all of a sudden we look like rock stars. It is... That is not impossible. It's not necessarily likely, but it is not impossible. Like we've seen it. We've seen the quality that we've we've got in the squad. We've seen the chances we can create. There is a we could all come on next week and be like, no one was expecting a 4-0 win. I'm not saying that's likely, but it's not impossible. Not impossible at all. If if things if things gel. What is interesting is if you make wholesale changes, you have to make wholesale changes again. <laughs> if that makes any sense. If you go back to let's play the regular team, that probably still means you're making five or six changes from a Tuesday. So there is a volatility about Saturday that is unavoidable. It's not, it might feel like we're going back to what we know, but I'd expect that to be the case. I think we'd be surprised if he said, I've learned and I'm going to stick with the team that started on Tuesday. So there's going to be a bit of sort of squad yo-yo going on. I think. Well, maybe, but I suppose it just replicates a game where there was no Tuesday match. Wouldn't it? I mean, I'd be amazed if he doesn't flip it back because surely the only real logical rationale for, for the week was to give um, some minute. Look again, whilst it was, um, whilst it wasn't good and I'm still not aligned with the thinking, what here is a positive Finnis as, and Ryan Hardy did not play many minutes on Tuesday, they played some minutes to make sure that they aren't stiff and uh, cold in the legs or whatever, um, and they looked bloody good for those few minutes. By the way, it was, that was our most threatening. So, um, but Tom, so stop, just on that, that that was the ghost of the plan, wasn't it? The plan was <laughs> keep it tight. When they tire, bring on the A team. It just happened at four one. Yeah, he, he just unfortunately yeah, he it's... needed to, he needed to do it at, at minute ten, but I think compassion. Um, prevented him from doing it but I, I think actually objectively he sure he may have needed to do that so look there's there's some advantages um to it um, and that's all I'm really interested in we've got some fresh legs and I'd like to talk about the relatively fresh legs of Barley Mumba big game for him for a couple of reasons boys get your thoughts on it um I think he'd like to stick it to Norwich and David Wagner not that I feel that he's 
that's not me seeing that thinking that he's been giving in fourth gear and there's a fifth gear to give per se but i wonder if barley is disappointed with the end product of his uh, that that he's given us since that very first game he's been good hasn't he since but that first game against Huddersfield I was like wow million pound paid immediately we've absolutely robbed everybody blind here and since then it's been um positive but modest contributions almost understated uh, you think he, do you think he think he's do you think he'll feel under and whether it's a good thing or not, under pressure to 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 put some units up on uh, Saturday, I. It's not been spectacular, like he has been, but I think he's been consistently great. Um, the Preston guys, I think that we've referenced a couple, you know, from last weekend. I think one of them was he ran the game. What a talent! And we're all a bit oh, did he? So I think if you get. I don't think he's been... He hasn't scored, but I do think he's been exceptional. I also think football logic, first thing I do, check the opposition's sheet. Has that person ever played for us? They're bound to score. If you're a Norwich fan, you're thinking, it's written that he's going to pop up in the 90th minute and win this. Like, there's somewhere in the psychology of football, you expect your old players to score against you. Um, <laughs> I think he's got a free hit. I think he's got... If I'm sure you go... It's it's kind of your day, do your job, but yeah, go show them what you can do. And, and evidence suggests he's the sort of person that will run with that and potentially do something incredible. Uh, on that point, I will. I'm going to come to Mark Lovell, who's not had uh, much to say so far. And I hear your point, Chris, about Barley Mumba, and I like to talk uh, <laughs> about former players scoring against us. And there's going to be a guy lining up for Norwich City who's played against us once, I think, since we got rid of him rather foolishly for next to no money, and that is Ashley Barnes. And I hope he does not have a fun day on Saturday, Mark, because Ashley Barnes has played Premier League football for the majority of his time since he left us. Um, and he has a skill set um, which would entitle him to bully our centre-halves. And we've been a little bit vulnerable there, particularly because they don't have the support of conventional fullbacks. Ashley Barnes, Mark, what do you reckon? Yeah, let's hope he's injured. Um, <laughs> yes. We, uh, Pelegafuelo's got concussion. So hopefully he's back. That'll be a real test for him and Gibson. I mean, Scar... He didn't um, really. Um, I mean, there is a case for you know horses for courses scar against Barnes, but I think we learned last night we've got to pick our best team. And is Plegwithwello in your best team? Yes. Can we afford to leave two million pound players on the bench and the top scorer and our informed player? No. So let's do. Th- Let's pick our best team and go from there. I'm sure that's um, I'm sure that's in the thinking. Um, that's the only consolation I can take from uh, the loss of points. Um, not that I'd go back and do it again, but at least we do have some uh, fresh legs. Let's do some predictions um, because I think this could be four 0 in either direction. It feels like it feels pretty wild a minute in in terms of I back. Shuey <laughs> has form for turning us around after a horror show. 
we have the clearly the ability to lose by a big score to a good team and we play ridiculously open football where we could concede a goal in the first, second, third, 89th, 90th and 100th minute. Um, Alex, putting that all in the mixing pot, what are you coming up with? Well, I'm, I'm going to go for a shoey masterstroke and I think he's going to have the last laugh here because maybe, just maybe, he's looked at our opponents at the weekend and realised that they have a match against arguably the best team in the division a day later than we played Bristol City. They've got to come all the way to Plymouth and they tend to play a settled team. And looking at the team they put out against Leicester today, that was the same team pretty much that started at the weekend. It probably looks like the same sort of team that will start on Saturday unless they make the mistake that we made on Tuesday. So... Did he have an eye on that? Has he looked at that fixtures list? And that, of course he has. Um, and taken that into consideration? I think so. Barley Mumba raring to go. Morgan Whitaker keen to make a point and really kind of continue his good form. Hardy searching for a Scotland call-up. I'm going to go for a 2-0 uh, Argyle. Good, good. Miami Chris, come up with me with something left field. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we lost 2-0. <laughs> um, and, and purely what I was saying earlier is that we have some great players but they have an established championship team that they strengthened last year so if you do it purely on history over the last couple of seasons stability pound for pound quality there is an argument that we could come undone if that happens the performance is coherent, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that. So you're sticking with 2-0 defeat? Yes. <laughs> Dream big. Dream big. Um, Mark, come on, talk some sense to me. Who's getting the first goal? Let's talk about that. What's the score going to be and who's getting the first goal and what, and, and what relevance is that? Well... Everything we've seen this season suggests we need the first goal. Um, so let's hope we get it and don't concede. I mean, I said last night, you know, if, if it's nil-nil after 20 minutes in our current uh, headspace, that, that will feel like we're in the lead. So, you know, let's be positive. Let's keep ourselves in the game for as long as possible. Um yeah, get that first goal. Who's going to score the first goal? I mean, Butcher's Butcher's been rested these last two two games, and he? he's. I mean, he was one player that wasn't. Um, he was part of that Crystal Palace team that's such impressed. Shuey, he didn't get a gig last night. He must mm. be thinking. He must be thinking, well, what have I done? Well, I, anyway, I think we'll see him. I think we'll see him ahead of Warrington. I wouldn't be surprised to see Butcher come in because there's a little bit of me that thinks Shuey's going to want to make us. <laughs> he seemingly was making a statement with his team selection, but I think he's going to make a little one, and he's not going to have many options because he's certainly got to put the. Uh, he's certainly got the uh, put the best battleships up uh, up top for sure. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing Butcher. Butcher and. Would it be Butcher and Azaz, wouldn't it? Because Azaz has got to play. Yeah, I'm going for, a, surprisingly enough, I'm going to go for 3-1 Argo with with Plegothuelo, um returning from concussion to score the first goal after 45 minutes plus two. 
so just on on Pleggy, there was a number of people online in our group talking about is it Zach Viner? I got that yes. right. Yeah. We need a player like that. It's like, well, I think we've got one. We've got one in that mould, certainly. There was a point in the second half where Charlie Price was saying, you know, he's ex-Argyle, he's a joy to watch. He's one of those players that you just watch him and he does the simple things and he doesn't do a lot wrong. He's been really great for Bristol. There's a part of me that was like, does he know what he's just said? Because we have that. Now, obviously the guy's got concussion, but I, I still believe that he could be the player of the season for us. If he is able to play that way, he could be as capable, if not more so than Viner. He plays football the same way. He's got a brain. He's in the right place at the right times. He plays the simple passes. Let's hope that we marshal the back line through him, not try and compete in the air. Comparing him to Viner, Viner looked... Um, Viner was an interesting one because he came to us at a good time. He had a great loan spell with us. He kind of played right back. He certainly bulked up from since I last seen him. And those two centre-halves in that first 15 minutes of the second half really stopped us getting through and, and it took Finn coming on to get into that. We touched it earlier, was does Scar play to Mark Barnes? Maybe Pleggy does need a pasty or two. Beef up a little bit. He's got a lot of ground to cover because he does that job, but Lewis Gibson kind of does that as well, sweeping up that quadrant of the of the pitch whilst also looking a bit of a unit. And Pleggy looks a little lighter weight, but you know, he's a ballerina on his feet. And he's sexy as hell, so I don't want to change that too much. Just back to the predictions. The last time I saw us play a team in yellow, very joyous day against Burton Albion. It was a 1-0 win. It was a very late first half, a bit like Mark was saying. I'm going to go with 1-0, and it's going to be a very solid, committed performance. Get the crowd behind us. Three points. Can I interest you in a change of heart, Chris? <laughs> Not if you're asking me for my prediction. No. <laughs> like, I, I, I hear you. I was the one who said, things go our way, we could win 4-0. I guess... My bigger point is if the performance is credible, we need to remember that on Saturday. We had a a bad performance. If we bounce back with a good performance, that's good news. As we've said a hundred times, the opposition is stronger in this league and sometimes they may just be better than us. I I would rather it be drilled into them that they can do this. Yeah, we've been to... You know, a a much diluted version of this team we've got now has been to Chelsea when Chelsea were a lot better unit than they were now and given them a game. We can do this. Yeah, we can play good sides. I'd rather that Shuey drilled that into them than the pressure of having to win because obviously if we lose another game, which will be however many on the bounce, six in seven or something like that, uh, I'd rather focus on the damage we could do to them rather than the damage we can inflict on ourselves. I tell you what, I mean, it'd be great to see uh, Bundu make his debut. You know, one of the things that was disappointed about yesterday was that we made these seven changes, and we did seven changes, and we didn't even see Bundu. Um, yeah, so hopefully he gets uh, a warm welcome at home park, and I've got really high hopes for him. You know, he's a, that's an exciting signing. You know, and we need lifting now. That is a you know, it's been a bit of a blow these last uh, few games. And I hope that, you know, the home park faithful show him uh, a lot of love and he, who knows what's possible, you know. No one really knows exactly what he can do, but confidence, with a bit of confidence, the world is his lobster. He would certainly be a good option. I feel he'd be a better option than Ben Wayne if we need to get a goal. He's a wild card. Uh, I hope we're not in a position where we need him for that. That said, you know, 
bringing on defenders to see out a one nil is that just inviting pressure? Do you actually want to bring a threat on and some fresh legs to make sure Norwich are pegged back? If he appears in those circumstances, I'd be very happy. Thank you for joining the Pilgrims podcast and uh, we'll see you uh, next time. <laughs>